That was an amazing, amazing introduction. Thank you so much, Mariah. I feel very, like, good. I'm like, ooh, is my head getting too big right now? Wow, powerful word. I hope that it doesn't disappoint. Um, but as Mariah said, I am the good news and social engagement pastor here at Elm City Vineyard Church. And y'all, I am so excited that you decided to join us today for our live stream. This is our second one, and that means that it's getting even better and better. And we're glad that you're here to enjoy it with us. But something else that I'm super excited about is to share the word of God. Why? Because we are in a dope series called Great Light. <laughs> and in this series, we're getting the opportunity to really uh, learn what it means to gain vision for life in the light of Jesus Christ. We're getting the opportunity to see what it looks like to see the light of the Messiah on our lives. And also, y'all, it's December. <laughs> and if I'm honest with y'all, sometimes I forget about the reason for the season. Honey, in the middle of actually like doing all the Christmas shopping, like the cute looks and all of that good stuff, the, the warm cocoa and the family time and the seasonal kind of like Christmas trees. If you're watching Sophia, I'm here with you. Sophia and I understand Christmas very well. But in that time, I always forget that this is a time where we're waiting for the coming Messiah. It's the time to be able to like, not just listen to Mariah Carey's All I Want for Christmas, but to actually like want Jesus for Christmas. <laughs> it's a special time for us to really see how we're being invited into reflection and revelation, how we are remembering Jesus's birth as something that didn't just happen in history, but is a part of the way that we were drawn into history. So let's take a look at this great light. So recently, don't judge me, y'all. I was on Amazon online shopping for Christmas, and <laughs> I felt the Lord actually ask me a question. And hold on, I'm hearing from the, the control room that the question's already in the chat box. So if you see that question up there, make sure it's on the screen. Perfect. This question on the screen, what do you need more of? That's the question the Lord laid on my heart. And I was just like, hold on, wait a second. What? What do I need more of? It's like, God, are you supposed to be asking me this in the middle of a pandemic? It's a whole lot going on. You're asking me, what do I need more of? Everything feels scarce already. And I want to hear what you guys think. What is something that you want right now? What is something that you need more of in this season of your life? And don't think too hard about it. I give this disclaimer all the time at the Kensington Edgewood Backyard Gathering. Please don't think too hard. And also, I only have a little bit of time up there, so I don't have time to wait for you. <laughs> but what do you need more of? You can get real Christian on me and think about one of the fruits of the Spirit. <laughs> or you can go off script. Maybe you need more time. Maybe you need more courage. And in a time or season of social distancing, maybe you need more affection. What do you need more of? How about we take a survey of the room? Patrick, what do you need more of? Rest. Mm, very good. Yeah. Anyone else? What do you need more of? Definitely time. Mm, yeah, that's a good one. Sleep. Yes. Put an asterisk next to that one for me. <laughs> yes, for sure. Definitely. Anybody else? More grace. More grace. More grace. More mercy, too. More of all of that courage. Oof. Yeah. Especially being up here doing a live stream when it's live. Lots of courage. <laughs> For sure. Anyone else? Friendship and intimacy. Wow. That's so good. That's amazing. For sure. More love. 
more me time, yes, in Jesus' name. More quality friendships, same as Jesse. Is that, yeah? <laughs> That's it? Those are, those are amazing, though. So I hear a lot of different things happening here. More quality friendships, more peace, more love, more sleep. All of these things are incredible. But think about it this way, guys. All of these people who are in the chat and in this room here, they have essentially given you the opportunity to figure out what their prayer requests are, right? So I will challenge you right now at this moment, take a screenshot, use your journal, write down people's names and what they need more of and pray for them. During this time of social distancing, where we don't see each other as often as we'd like, this is how we stay connected, by praying for each other, by keeping each other lifted up, right? And so make sure you do that. Now, for me, I'll be honest, y'all. When God first asked me this question, guess what I said? I said, God, I need more shoes. Shoes, more shoes. Because <laughs> I could never have enough, but the Lord is still working on me, and so I tried again. And the second time around, I actually thought about it, and I realized that I actually needed more rest, more peace specifically. I needed serenity in my life because a lot of things on the inside of me always felt like they were storming around. It felt like I was living on the edge or the precipice of life all the time, which wasn't good for my nerves or my head. So when I asked for this peace, I didn't even realize that it was the second uh, theme of our Advent season. Last week, Patrick so beautifully taught us about hope. And this week, we have to pay a little bit more attention to what peace might be. Now, initially, when I first thought about peace, my first thing was like, ooh, what peace feels like to me is being in a cabin out some outdoors in the woods where I don't have phone service and I'm listening to all my vibey music. Or, or a sandy beach with clear waters sitting in a very comfortable beach chair, eating some crab legs that I do not have to share, period. <laughs> I'm actually telling y'all all of my business, but I'm actually hoping that it's for the greater good. <laughs> I'm hoping that it's for the greater good. But when I think of these things, when I thought about what peace looked like for me, I did what many of us probably do when we think of peace. And imagining peace for myself, I thought of ways that might satisfy my cravings for safety. My brand of being safe is away from as many people as possible in a world where I do not have to worry about belonging, worry about pain, worry about disappointment. Oftentimes, guys, when we think of peace, we merge it with our longing to create safety for ourselves. And in the world that we live in, who wouldn't want to be safe? When we look outside, when we look in, in, in these windows of our lives, all we see roaming this world is division, racism, bigotry, hatred, oppression, rage. And dang, it's like downright heartbreaking. We're in the middle of a pandemic, for God's sake. So under all of these circumstances, wouldn't it be reasonable to consider peace as a safe space? What I've mentioned previously about me being on the beach in a comfy beach chair, eating some good old crab legs, it seems pretty harmless, right? But the reality is the miseducation of peace as safety can actually become pretty dangerous. It can lead us into responding to life and its misfortunes through self-preservation. In our self-preservation, we 
withdraw from commitment because it seems like it might require sacrifice from us. We withdraw from other people and justify escaping difficulties in relationship. We withdraw from conflict by haphazardly blocking, canceling, and alienating those who have different views than ours. We withdraw from truth, upholding appearances of friendliness while people suffer due to our unwillingness to speak up. Hear this. These sorts of responses, they facilitate false peace, fragile peace that is only temporary relief. These responses contribute to our desire for escape rather than our need for a God who rescues. These ways of being are how we make all the necessary moves to get away from what annoys us, busies us, or worries us. It makes it seem as if peace can only exist under, uh, under perfect circumstances. It makes it seem as if peace can only exist under ideal conditions that we forcefully get into to make ourselves comfortable, to, to self-soothe, and to keep ourselves safe. We all have the tendency to call whatever makes us feel safe peace. Now, this is not me saying that safety is wrong. You will not make an IG post out of me. <laughs> I believe in safe spaces to share and to take risks. But in our society, we have come to idolize safety so much that it manifests itself in us withdrawing into homogenous neighborhoods taking out offenders from society through mass incarceration instead of putting them into rehabilitation, it turns into excessive policing as a means of law and order and national militarization that calls for peace, but it actually plans for terror. See y'all, in the precious places of our anxiety and our fear, we settle for a sort of fragile peace that is bred from control, removal, and the withdrawal of others. In our desperation for safety, we mistake peace for willpower. We mistake peace for having enough willpower to keep things pleasant for ourselves, even as we hurt others. Or maybe for some of us, it isn't actually that we think that we're hurting anyone because our presence isn't there. But that, in fact, is contributing to the sort of, like, isolationist thing that we don't want to believe in as people who follow Christ. But what actually is peace? I keep telling you what peace is not, but how do we move from this false, fragile sense of peace to hunger for the real thing? How might our vision be called to change in this like great light of Jesus' coming? So for the rest of our time together, I'd love to move our attention to a passage in the book of the prophet Isaiah. And in this, in this uh, uh, passage, we're invited to a new vision for peace. And so if you have your Bible, turn with me to Isaiah chapter 32, verse 16 through 18. And if you don't, the scripture will definitely be on the screen. It reads, Then justice will dwell in the wilderness, and righteousness abide in the fruitful field. The effect of righteousness will be peace, and the result of righteousness, quietness, and trust forever. 
My people will abide in a peaceful habitation, in secure dwellings, and in a quiet resting place. According to this passage, there are prerequisites for peace, and they are justice and the work of righteousness. In this passage, we see three things happening. So follow me, come with me as we look through what this scripture is saying in these very short three verses. The first is that there is a wilderness, an inhospitable, dried up place that requires some cultivation to be a place where peace can actually abide. This is a deep recognition of the dry places that feel unsafe and unwelcoming to us. This is a recognition of the world that we live in that feels hostile to our longings for peace, longings for rest, and like Matt, longings for sleep. A hostile place that leads our hearts to demanding safety. I don't know if you've ever been to a wilderness, but it literally has no pathways. It literally has plants that jut out at you. It has no uh, uh, fancy ways of being like East Rock does, or or it doesn't have any uh, beautiful rivers that run through it. It is actually unhospitable. But the scripture invites us to do some pivotal thinking about this wilderness place. We, we, we shouldn't just consider it hostile, but instead we're invited to consider it as a place that is capable of use if the right tools are being used. The right tools are being used of, of justice and righteousness. In our hearts, the reasons why we crave for safe and secluded spaces is because deep down, We really long for justice. We really long for righteousness to happen here on earth. We long, we long to see things done rightly and and, in a fair way. We long to see people love on each other and take care of one another. We long to be taken care of and to love on other people. But life seems to strip you of that. And as a result of that life stripping, we go into our safe places. And in those safe places, though we long to see harmony, because of our hurt, we're unwilling to live through the process to get there. And instead, we settle for feeble versions of peace that gratify us quickly and leave us as unharmed as possible. In this passage, we are invited to see the process that actually yields peace. We're invited to see the hard work that actually gets peace to actually be established in a hostile place. A once deserted place now yields a harvest where all people can be at peace and, and it isn't just secluded to just a few. In this process, we see a home created for justice and righteousness. If you go back to the scripture, it it, it literally says that justice dwells and righteousness abides. And our longing for safe shelter, Isaiah points us to seeing a home for righteousness and a home for justice. Isaiah points us to seeing a home for truth-telling and fairness, for honesty and liberation, for kindness and pardon. As deeply as we long for a resting refuge place for ourselves, 
is as deeply as we, we, we actually long for a, a resting place for justice, for righteousness, to live and to flourish and exist among us. Isaiah says we conflate them. Isaiah is showing us how we put those things together. But in reality, we're longing for something much deeper, something that holds some weight. From there, the scripture says that the effect and results of justice and righteousness will bear the fruits of an undying peace, that holding weight peace, a peace that lasts forever and ever and evermore. How we respond to this process of seeing peace develop right before our eyes in this passage of Isaiah is, in fact, how we respond to waiting for the Messiah during this Advent season. In Isaiah chapter 9, let's rewind a bit. The prophet tells us what we, to, what we are to expect in our waiting. Isaiah chapter 9, starting at verse 6, it says, for a child has been born for us, a son given to us. Authority rests upon his shoulders, and he is named Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. His authority shall grow continually, and there shall be endless peace for the throne of David and his kingdom. He will establish and uphold it with justice and with righteousness. From this time onward and forevermore, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. I love that last line. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do it. And he's doing it. It's happening. It's happened already. In our time of expectancy for Jesus' coming and that he's already came, despite the hardship of the wilderness, we must trust the Prince of Peace to grow continually in our hearts and affect the world around us. We have to seek the justice and righteousness of our world over the preservation of what we can see around us. See, what safety actually does is it preserves what's already in front of you rather than having a hope, like what Patrick talked about last week, rather than having a hope for what it can be. Having a hope, having, having trust that literally what we see right now, the kingdom of God will burst through. The truth is that we cannot have both types of this peace, y'all. We have to choose Either it will be our self-manufactured peace, which puts us into places of power and domination so that we'll be safe, or it is the peace of surrender, of justice, of righteousness, of looking at what Jesus is doing, what he's done, and what he's continuing to do through us in this process of peace, and saying, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. I'm here with you. I trust you. We ask for peace. We ask for more peace, but peace actually asks something from us. Peace asks us to live into this reality that it exists and not to put it off as wishful thinking. Peace is real and it is true to our existence and it is being established in the here and the now. Peace asks us not to walk behind it in dread of what is to come. Peace asks us not to walk before it in domination and oppression, forcing places of safety. Peace asks us to walk with it in the tension of already but not yet. When we walk with peace, we are challenged to seek it and pursue it, 
no matter the circumstances. Because it is already here. We, we have to live into it as it is continuously revealed to us. As believers, we are, we are called to see the peace that is extended to us already through justice and righteousness of God. And we're asked to live in the direction of it. As it extends to us, we live in its same direction. We let it guide us. We let it be our portion. We let it be the way that we move and live and have our being. And properly seeing peace, we live our lives to participate in our surroundings rather than dominating them. In this participation, we are then called to build bridges of communication across differences and misunderstanding, to deal in the difficulties of reconciliation work, to be bold in our speech, and to actually ask for what we know we need, to look for friendship and for harmony in relationships with one another, to look for help in community, both nationwide and locally. With God's peace, we are invited to let go of the, the guarantees of self-satisfaction and safety. And we're, we're asked to oppose the systems that may keep us safe, but never really end in true peace. Jesus coming to us here on earth is a reminder that the kingdom of God, the government of peace, is what we stand on. And we can trust that it will not fail. So I have a few invitations for us before uh, we go to communion. The first is, where in your life have you mistaken safety for peace? Invite the Holy Spirit to highlight God's encouragement for you here. The second invitation is, how might you seek out God's peace during this time of Advent? What are the ways that the Lord is inviting you to be uh, uh, more courageous and, and more open-hearted to what it looks like to have peace that surpasses all understanding, to be a peace builder, to be someone who affects peace in the places that you are brought into. I know it sounds difficult to have peace that surpasses all understanding. We're in the middle of a pandemic. People are losing jobs. People are, 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 are sad, de uh, depressed. Uh, suicide rates are rising. But, I, but I, I'm pretty convinced that the reason why we are unable to apprehend peace and hold it in our very guts is because it doesn't have anything to be anchored to. The justice and the righteousness that peace is longing to, to hang on to is nowhere to be found. And as believers, as people of God, we are supposed to be the ones that show it out in the world, that participate in what it means to bring righteous deeds and justice to earth here now. So let me pray for us. Oh, gracious and eternal God, we worship you for who you are. We thank you for this word that you have given us today. May we sup on it like it is our daily bread. May we receive it with gladness and know that you are doing a mighty work in us in this Advent season. God, will you uh, uh, make it plain to us the ways that we idolize safety, the ways that we idolize the things that keep us in our safety comfort pods and that, that do not allow your kingdom to break through. Lord, we thank you and we praise you for the work that you're doing and you will continue to do and have already done. We lift you up on high. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen.